So uh, here's one I always like to ask. What about, what advice would you give your younger self? Patience. Um, I was not a very patient early sales guy. And quite often I would um, parachute into the middle of a large opportunity I was trying to close without doing my research, like Rambo with a knife in his mouth, and I wouldn't win. And sometimes I get myself in trouble with the customer for being aggressive and not being patient. Um, I've learned over the years that you got to sit back. And while we all have to want to close business and operate under our company's time constraints, you can't do that at the expense of losing business that you might otherwise have won if you were patient, if you asked that additional question, if you did that one more research meeting, if you had one more rehearsal of your presentation or got one more piece of feedback from the coach. So the advice I would give my younger self is, um, is Steve, you know, you need to, you need to be more patient. Absolutely. But in all fairness, there's nothing better than the one call close though, right? No, there's not. And, and it happens today and we do it a lot, even in our environment, right? So we love to do that. Um, and you know, my father used to tell me, if you don't ask, you don't get, right? So um, you have to be willing to close and, and ask for that order. But I think business presentations, either early in the sales cycle or at a closing presentation or anywhere in between that continuum of a, um, doing the account development and the right demand creation within a, a prospect, um, it plays a role for sure. Totally. Uh, what about, we've certainly seen uh, you know, sales ops evolve a lot over the years. So what's your view of the importance of uh, kind of sales ops or uh, now you must be calling it rev ops? Yeah, I mean, listen, I rely heavily on my sales operations team. They do an effective job of, uh, of helping us accurately predict the health of the business and where we need to apply pressure or invest or add headcount or de-invest. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a firm believer uh, in, in revenue ops as being the way forward, using AI, predictive analytics, to gain insights into your funnel. And, and we've recently um, made an investment in a RevOps platform. I'm starting to use it at scale right now. And having the opportunity to take a look at an opportunity that's in the forecast that somebody's calling to close this month or this quarter, and then you're able to engage with it and see that the communications are one-threaded, single-threaded, they're not engaged with multiple people, they're not having conversations about orders, POs, or MSAs getting signed, um, the customer may have gone dark and you're not seeing any email communication over the course of a couple of weeks. Um, um, it gives you insights, right? That can be at sometimes, you know, really scary. But what it does more than anything else, at least the way that we're using it, is it allows us an opportunity not to have a Spanish Inquisition and interrogate a rep about a particular opportunity, but to figure out where they're gapped so that we can help them, right? Um, because... You know, if, 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 if the month or the quarter goes by and the deal's lost and you actually lose the deal to a competitor, anything you do at that point is going to be considered sour grapes in the eyes of the customer. So I'd much rather see a trend, take that trend and give the uh, rep some coaching, maybe go with him or her to visit a customer and do what we can to get something back on track that may be being forecasted, but doesn't have all the right elements um, where I'd have confidence in, it, in the opportunity closing. So I think it's important and I'm looking forward to expanding upon the way that we're using it. Awesome. And then uh, we, we've got Gong as our sponsor today. So I know your uh, sales ops and your business ops team uh, rely heavily on Gong. Yeah, they do. And um, I'm excited to reconnect with Gong. They, you know, our, our business operations and sales ops use it in conjunction with Salesforce. And I know they've done made some investments and have expanded their portfolio recently. So excited to get back on with them and to, and to learn more about 
how we might be able to um, uh, to improve the way we use it and get more power into the platform. Awesome. Very cool. And then um, kind of on the enablement side, so you have, you just bought uh, Ops Cruise, which is the name of the company. That's correct. And kind of what are the things there that you think about in terms of kind of, you know, enabling your sellers around the Ops Cruise uh, offering? Sure. So, you know, so Ops Cruise, for those of you who are, are not familiar with the platform, is a platform focused on monitoring Kubernetes um, K containers, okay? And it doesn't matter whether those containers are on-premise in a customer data center or in the um, in the cloud. And they come over to us with some very large of large enterprise logos, um, the kind that I think any company would be proud um, to have on their um, on their line card. Um, the thing that Opscrews does differently than most of the other companies is that they are an open source platform, cloud native, and they um, they help customers who have built uh, container environments in the cloud or on-prem using open source tools make sense of all these various open source tools and generally do one thing, right? So if you look at Virtual Wisdom, which is our core platform, it does monitoring, it does tracing, it does a lot of, it provides a lot of insights, right? Today in the open source world, Prometheus provides the metrics most of the time, Loki provides the logs, open source, Elastic provides, you know, logs, traces are provided by companies like Jaeger and Tempo, you know, um, Istio provides flows, and customers really struggle to aggregate all those data types to make it easier to use and get value out of these, right? So what OpsCruise does and why we were so interested, they're such a good fit for our platform, is they unify the data flows and put them into context. They allow customers to gain insights from all these open source data types, including the Kubernetes containers, and then it enables customers to provide highly qualified insights and alerts on complex data, data types. And so we're on a mission right now, we ran one today, where we're enabling all of the OpsCruise staff on our platform, which includes virtual wisdom, cloud cost management, that kind of thing. And in converse, we're enabling all of our team that have traditionally sold um, our, our Vertana platform on OpsCruise in open source. And it's a bit of a new language because it gets sold to you know, a different um, buying center, not, not a far bridge to cross, but a different buying center than most of our team call on. So that's why it's important to enable them because we want to make sure that they've got their sites set on the right prospects in their accounts and the new customer accounts. Oh, awesome. And then uh, what about from a lead generation perspective, what do you guys do? So for lead generation, we have a couple of things we do. We have BDR um, organization that does a lot of outbound co-calling, right? And we try to qualify looking at keywords and things that customers are searching on that might be around observability or monitoring or cloud cost, you know, um, uh, reduction or optimization or that kind of thing. So that's one source and those get funneled in. The other thing is we have very strategic relationships with some large OEMs and they use our tools to um, to support service engagements with customers. So a customer has a big problem, they have a major outage, our tools used to help them remediate that outage in minutes or hours versus days or weeks, saving them a lot of money and a lot of heartache. And when that happens, we engage the customer directly or through the, with the partner and we get them to have more persistent capability with us. So that's another really strong source of leads for us. We do a lot of LinkedIn campaigns, which are really, really unique, uh, that drive a lot, of, uh, a lot of stuff. We also subscribe to business intelligence tools that allow for us to take a look at customers that have the same look, touch, and feel as our customers, large prospects, um, Kubernetes environments, or big on-prem you know, storage um, environments. And then we cold call in or warm call with the BDR team into those 
to open up those doors. And then lastly, I'll say is that we go to shows. We were at Dell Tech World a couple of weeks ago. We, we network with customers there, with our large partner community there, with Dell as a big partner. We sell with Dell in a lot of cases. And then we do regional events like DevOps Days and you know the CNCF events, smaller, more regional events, trying to get folks that speak the same language as our engineers and our salespeople do. It's where we gain a lot of leads and get a lot of interest. And it's how we drive new logos into the business. Awesome. Very cool. And then do you um, still do, uh, I'll say, old school co-calling? We do. But, you know, the thing about it is, it's generally more warm calling because, you know, we use the BDR team to sort of flush out um, the high potentials. So generally, by the time um, one of our salespeople gets in front of one of these prospects, it's because they, they know who we are. There's a problem that they're trying to solve and they're willing to take a meeting with us. So um, that's a luxury, right? Um, uh, but we still do. We, we have blitz days and that kind of thing. And, you know, listen, just because we have a footprint in one part of a large of large enterprise account doesn't necessarily mean that we've got them 100% instrumented with our solution, right? Um, <clears throat> there's opportunities to sell them cloud costs with the, you know, the cloud ops team. There's opportunities to sell them cloud migration customers that are moving workloads to the public cloud. There's opportunities to sell into the non-prod in the pre-prod environments where we may have instrumented only the production environment. So our people have the opportunity and spend a lot of time cold calling into different pockets of install base accounts to expand them in addition to the new logo motion. Gotcha, and uh, opportunity to uh, expand your footprint uh, partnering with Cloud Genera too, right? That's right. So yeah, we're working with Cloud Genera, excited. We're working on some opportunities together. Great company providing, um, you know, some terrific analytics. And for those of you who don't know who Cloud Genera is, they provide um, very, very powerful analytics around workload placement. And then it's a great pre-sales tool, I would say, for uh, for companies that want to be able to try and sell towards their own IaaS or platform as a service and give their sales teams a tool that they could use where they actually can use real-time customer data to do a compare of running that workload either on a, you know, an infrastructure as a service or in a public cloud provider's cloud. And then they leave behind a cloud rank, almost like a consumer reports that said, hey, here are the four places you're thinking about running this workload. Here's where we think you should run it and here's why. And here's the detail around security, capacity, memory, cost that you would need to know um, in order to run it. So we're partnered with Cloud Genera. What Cloud Genera likes about us is that nobody in the industry has the high fidelity, deep granular data collection that we have with our virtual wisdom platform. So we're able to you know, monitor every bit of every flow of every packet, going through the network, touching any part of the infrastructure that impacts applications. And when we feed that data into a Cloud Genera uh, tool, they're able to provide very, very crisp and actionable um, you know, data-driven analytics on a, a customer's environment and where they should go or not go. Awesome. Sounds almost like a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> yeah. So we enjoy working with them. And in fact, I was on with their CEO yesterday. Oh, very cool. And then uh, moving on, on the sales methodology front, um, you guys are uh, using uh, MedPick, correct? That's right. We, um, we implemented it recently. We've got a large group of people cross-functional, not just sales, so that we can all speak the same language. Going through MedPick training right now, we're using Andy White, in, um, in his ultimate guide to MedPick, which has been powerful. I've, I've sat through some of the training. I've also read his book. But, you know, listen, 
Um, along with RevOps, right? Having a consistent deal. I mean, whatever sales methodology you use from challenger selling to Miller Hyman to impacts to, you know, we've all seen in target account selling, you ultimately have to have a deal qualification process that sits underneath it, along with a presentation process like the one you and I have been talking about. If you're going to really have a sense of being able to understand where you stand in an opportunity and how you can help coach a rep, right? You got to understand the metrics by which a customer is going to make a decision. You got to understand who the economic buyer is. You have to understand what the decision criteria and the decision process is. You have to understand what the paper process is. I had that last quarter, large deal we were chasing, got stuck in the PO process. We had a slip on it, shouldn't have happened, but shame on us for not doing more digging in that area ahead of time. And I think that things like MedKit will help us catch that earlier in the environment. And then I think most important part about MedPick that I like, in addition to understanding the competitors, is being able to implicate uh, implicate the pain on a customer, right? So being able to help the customer understand that if they, if, if it's business as usual and they don't take action, there is a compelling event or a compelling pain that they're going to experience that won't go away unless they take action with us or somebody else. And so I like, I like the process. I like what I've learned so far. By no way am I, am I an expert, but I'm starting to see my team use their language and you know, the, the language of MedPick in updates to me as we go through our reviews and our QBRs, we're weaving it more and more into the foundation of how we sell. And I think over time, it's going to be you know, cemented into the, the dye and the fabric of our organization, but it takes a little bit of time. Awesome. Really cool. What about any um, CEO leaders that you respect? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, obviously, Ron, who uh, who's uh, our board chair, I respect him a lot. I learned a lot about, um, you know, running businesses from him and running P&Ls and general management and turning companies around, quite honestly, because we've done that a couple of times together. I have a lot of respect for, uh, for John Chambers. Um, I, I had the pleasure of working for John when I was a young sales guy at Cisco back in the 90s and doing a lot of sales calls with him and picking him up at the airport and running him around town to customers and presenting to a lot of customers with him. And I learned a lot um, through that process. And I learned a lot, um, you know, when I re-engaged with him, um, you know, on my second tour of duty at Cisco, and then later through um, HP's investment in Pensado, where I owned the responsibility to make that work and to collaborate between our companies. And I think the thing I respect most about him is that he takes none of the credit and all of the blame. When things are uh, really, really going well, you know, you'll hear him talk about the people around him um, that executed correctly to create that environment. And when there's wind in his face and things aren't going so well, he's not the first person that's going to turn and blame everybody else. He's going to own that himself and say, hey, I could have done a better job. We'll learn from it. Um, and I think that's a sign of, uh, of, uh, of strong leadership. Randy. Yeah, totally. Uh, same question for uh, sales leaders. Um, you know, so listen, I've worked for a lot of really good sales leaders in my career. You're one of them. Learned a lot from you. We talked a little bit about that. Uh, I use it all the time, the pocket veto thing, um, you know, because everybody has an opinion and we don't want uh, that opinion to get in the way of whatever decision you make that we've got to, you know, we've all got to go row in the same direction, go execute. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for uh, for Dan Belanger. Worked for Dan for, uh, for seven years. We were peers in my first stint at, uh, at, uh, at HP, learned a lot from him about how to engage customers, about how to do your homework, about how to run a large business, about how to create leverage inside the organization. 
Um, Peter Quirk, you mentioned as well. I learned a lot from Peter. I worked on his team for a while. And, you know, when I was working for Peter, he and I did some special projects for our CEO at the time, Meg Whitman, who, by the way, is another CEO I learned a lot from in my interaction with her. And, uh, and, and Peter, you know, always, always got me grounded on having the big picture, right? Because sense of urgency is in my DNA. And I guess it goes back to that patience comment. I always want to get after it and go aggressive. But Peter was always the one to say, hey, step back, have a bigger picture view of this thing. And let's all be on the same page, you know, about what we want to accomplish. So I, I've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of great sales leaders in my career at Cisco, at HP, HPE, at Avaya, um, at 3Com. Uh, Alex Dobson's another one. You remember Alex? He came over with the 3Com acquisition. Um, I worked for Alex at 3Com and learned a lot about the analytics um, uh, of the business and you know what the metrics are. Um, so I've been blessed, Randy, and um, and every one of those leaders that I mentioned play a role in the um, in the things that I I do today in terms of the way that I run my business. There you go. Rubs off well on you, and uh, you become a great uh, CRO in your own right. So congratulations for that. Thank you. Hey, the, the, one of the projects with Peter, wasn't it Project Alabama? It started with Project Alabama, which he kicked off in Kevin Chabot. There, and you, are, there you go, Alabama, your son's uh, college. That's right. It, that, later, that later evolved really into the one state model where we took it to the entire Southeast, right? So we started in Alabama and then Peter right. and I grew it. And then ultimately, um, I ran the whole thing working for Dan. And that wasn't you know, a real Dan, So don't. I know. Okay. <laughs> you know, we're again toward the end here. Um, so you've been awesome. Thank you so much um, for uh, people like you that known known for a while. Didn't know if you had any uh, kind of PG Randy story to tell. I, I think the PG Randy story. You know, one of the funniest was uh, one time at a club trip in Hawaii. I was expecting Peter Quirk, who was my manager, I believe at the time, to come rolling up to the club trip with his wife. And instead, in some sandals, in some sandals walks Randy Seidel as his plus one. And it got even better because I think we had one white hot night party and Randy dressed up in a, in a white toga, I believe, and uh, and uh, blew the crowd away. With white, white, uh, jack, jacket, white blazer, white pants. White blazer, right? So uh, many people didn't dress up, but she came in a costume and uh, and and blew the crowd away. And we had a lot of fun on that trip. And uh, and one thing I know for sure is that uh, you know when there's time off and you're out having a couple of drinks with Randy, he knows how to uh, to go after it and, and have some fun. There you go. All right, thanks for keeping it mostly mostly PG there. But um, so many great words of wisdom in here, not only around sales and business presentations, but you know so much more. So Steve, thanks so much. Certainly wish you uh, much continued success, and I know for sure why Ron keeps uh, keeps grabbing you along the way for his uh, all of his great new ventures. Uh, so by chance, next week we have uh, episode one thirty of Tech Sales Insights. Uh, it's going to be June uh, Wednesday, June twenty eighth. And Chris Hassenbein, who you know as, as well, is, uh, is, is going to be our guest. And we're going to have a terrific uh, title topic for that one as well. So uh, for those uh, that have watched, thank you so much. Uh, feel free, if you've not joined Sales Community, to join. And uh, thanks to uh, Tucker behind the scenes. And Steve, look forward to your uh, continued success here. Thank you, Randy. Thanks, everybody. All right. Have a great day. Thanks.